From multiple interior locations in Minneapolis or near enough, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm Ellen Burns-Johnson, and I make nice games. I'm Stephen McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Martha Croy, I too make nice games. For this week's episode, our topics are games and your internal battery, and finding your artistic voice. And so, if everyone is ready, let's start. Mark, I didn't I didn't notice this before. Uh-huh. But I, your voice kind of has a a Matt Berry vibe to it. You don't Sometimes. say. <laughs> <laughs> and I, like the way you said voice reminded me of Matt Berry. <laughs> I have a I, I have a little bit of like a frog in my throat a little bit, so I have a little a little bit of the kind of, you know. <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. <clears throat> that came uh, well, you should a little bit more Ira glass. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Nice Games Club. Yeah. Vocal fry your face. <laughs> uh, um, well, now I just want to do like in- impressions for this whole episode now. <laughs> like that's the energy I'm feeling is let's just goof off that's, today. Like that's, let's, yeah. let's not do that's those fun good. topics I mean, that are deep and did, interesting. We did lose a whole hour. <laughs> we got to earn that back somehow if that's emotionally or or chronologically. So, <laughs> um, what do you mean we I'm, lost I'm an hour? Your rant, because it, it's it's daylight savings. Yes. Oh, yeah. that's right. Oh yeah, that's true. Boo. Yep. I I we've rant. I think we've ranted about daylight savings before on the show. Yeah. But well, I hate daylight savings. Likely once a year. <laughs> you hate standard time, is what you you hate, right? No, I hate the entire existence of daylight savings. Okay. Well, okay. I think I. I Oh, I'm here. We're Strap here. in, oh. listeners. <laughs> <laughs> so it's nice to get an hour extra sleep. End of story. Um, when you, <laughs> yeah, it's nice. It's, mm-hmm. well, yeah, but when you lose an hour of sleep, it is the worst thing in the world. Mm-hmm. I cannot. Right. I. It's so frustrating. Yeah. It's like you're, s- you're saying the gain, the the hour gained of sleep that you get in the fall doesn't yeah. make up for the terrible feeling of lost sleep that you have to exactly. endure. Exactly. Not. Not even remotely. Like you get, it's like one step forward and seven steps back. It's it's, it's terrible. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, there's a psychology to that that we have loss yeah. of uh, avoidance as like as human psychology. Mm-hmm. Like we, it's right. we're more worried about losing something we have than getting something we want, and so that's why people hoard things. It's why they save stuff they should throw out. Is because yeah. its value to you is feels greater when you have it um, than than if you don't have it yet. And so yeah. uh, that that's uh, you know that can be a negative instinct, but here it's in full force because it just mm-hmm. really sucks to wake up. It really and, does. And well, with needing an hour more. Yeah, and I mean, as a result of that, you're likely to get less sleep, or you're not going to have as much time to sleep uh-huh. on that day. Um, and you're and, a real uh, like you you wake up as the rooster crows. You're yeah, and you're also very yeah, regimented. Well, so this is this messes I, you up I, more than like I woke up today and it didn't feel any different yeah. because I don't well, have that kind of fair. like I kind of always wake up at weird times and don't get a lot of sleep generally. <laughs> so yeah, well that's the thing. I woke up, I woke up, and I woke up and I walked out and I looked at my oven clock because I haven't changed it yet and it says seven thirty. I was like, oh okay, seven thirty, sure. Then I was like, oh crap, it's daylight savings. <laughs> I lost an hour. <laughs> so <laughs> so. Wait a minute. Yeah. So, did you actually sleep one last hour? I yes. I think I honestly. I think I kind of did actually just sleep but one last hour. Did you wake up to an alarm or just time. naturally? Just naturally, I woke up. So yeah. you're like, 
<laughs> you have like the ultimate internal clock. It actually updates for daylight savings time. Well- <laughs> 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 yeah, I think so. Wow, um, very jealous over here. <laughs> I it's I mean it's a blessing and a curse. I had I got it. You you can see on the camera. I guess listeners can't see on the camera. Mm-hmm. But I bought the sleep mask over there on my bed. Uh-huh. Um, and I thought that the reason why I would wake up early in the morning, um, without my wanting to, is because I was really sensitive to the transition between night and day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that sleep mask is near perfect in how it blocks the light out, and mm-hmm. I still wake up at the same time I always do. <laughs> so I just have some weird clock thing mm-hmm. that. Uh, my grandma used to. My grandma says that she never uses an alarm. She always wakes up at like the time she wants to wake up. Yeah, so I must have gotten it from her or something. That's why I'm sure she's exaggerating a little bit, but like <laughs> I don't know. I still, <clears throat> I still like I can't sleep in past like ten unless I am extremely tired. You you say this like it's just like a normal like like a, a normal human habit. But I'm hearing this and hearing that your grandmother did it too, and I'm like, you're a wizard, Stephen. Like that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that, it feels like a superpower. Like feels <laughs> unnatural. It, like it's really nice when I'm trying to go like go to work or I expect I have plans at 10 o'clock I'm, I'll just go to bed and not have an alarm up and I yeah. know I'll wake up at like 9 oh that's um, terrifying if I have a meeting at 2 <laughs> if I have a meeting at 2 in the afternoon I make sure to yeah. set my alarm like <laughs> even if I'm definitely going to wake up at 9 or 10 or whatever like I really? <laughs> I am worried that maybe it won't happen like I <laughs> okay yeah huh yeah it's I guess there's there's a lot of benefits to it. I just I just hate it when like I stay up till five o'clock because yeah. I'm playing Civ Six and I'm addicted or whatever. Uh-huh. And then I go and then I go to bed and I wake up and it's eight in the morning. So <laughs> yeah, um, that's when it sucks. So <laughs> to the fun- to the matter of daylight savings time, um, would you yes. prefer we went to standard time all year or daylight savings all year? I don't remember which is which. <laughs> is, oh, okay. are, are we in daylight savings? Now? We are now in yeah. daylight savings. So yeah. we so there's okay. there's more sun in the evening. But it, it the sun rises a little later in the morning. Oh yeah, no, I would prefer normal time. I think okay. I don't like daylight savings time as much. Okay, well, listeners, address your letters too, because most people feel the opposite. <laughs> because at least here in Minnesota, right. when we have four p.m. <laughs> sunsets in the dead of winter, yeah, and then I mean, oh yeah, that's as pleasant. of today, like it's it's gonna feel very strange because we've all now gotten used to it. The 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 I think it's now six. It was uh, mm-hmm. sunsets were five o'clock yesterday. Now they're about six o'clock. Um, so it now feels like, I mean, that's still pretty early, but yeah, um, I may have misspoke. I do remember, I do prefer it being like darker in the morning. Oh, okay. So maybe, maybe, yeah. So maybe in the opposite and I just, yeah. So that, that'd be, and so that's the thing. So I I actually heard this interview. Maybe I'll put the link to this in the show notes. Um, we're wildly off topic, but this is still interesting stuff. Um, (laughs) yeah, I was interviewed yesterday, um, with a Senator, um, who talked like his pet project is is eliminating a, a standard time and going to full daylight savings time. And he was t- talking with the interviewer about like the, the efforts currently in the current Congress to do this. And every year it comes up, right? There's always a news article that you read every year about how, why we'd still do this. Um, but he, uh, he was talking about his history with the topic. And he said like, you know, I added, because daylight savings time changes, right? It, it didn't always used to be now. And it didn't always used to be <laughs> yeah. in the first week of November. Um, it, it's been, it's, uh, the daylight savings part of the year has been growing and growing and the standard yeah. time part of the year has been shrinking and shrinking as a result of like, uh, progressive pieces of legislation that this Senator has introduced over the years <laughs> and just, <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't know that part. I just thought it was like kind of every so often somebody would get it in their idea to change it, but it's like some, yeah. it's the one man's crusade. <laughs> like, wow. And he's like, there's only, he's like, there's only four months left. We'll get rid of them all soon enough. <laughs> that's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> 
And then the, the interviewer had a really good idea, which is that like some because some, you know, there's the some states can choose to stay on standard time and some states can choose to stay on daylight savings time as long as they're the same all year round. And then just time zones will just be different. Um, right. Yeah. Right. If there's any particular reason why is an industry in a certain state prefers one way or the other or being on one side of the country that matters um, like th there's because there's so little resistance, but there's a little resistance to, to mm. changing it. And like that seems like a good solution, perhaps. I don't know. Next year, we'll have this conversation again. <laughs> oh, we will. Yeah. I'm sure of it. <laughs> uh, Ellen, you've got a little news. What games has you been playing? Yeah, well, this whole, I have a whole topic on, like, that's related to what games I've been playing <laughs> over the last couple months. But I finished a game, and that always feels good. Um, yeah. I've been playing like this. It's basically like a little puzzle room kind of game. Like it's a series of puzzle rooms strung together, hundreds of little puzzle rooms strung together into Ooh. multiple chapters in this long story. It's called Tiny Room Stories by Kiari Games. I think they're out of Russia. Um, and I played it on Android and it was really cute. There was some, got a little, got a little wild by the end. I say, <laughs> I think the story got a little bit stretched, but um, <laughs> you know, it was, it was a fun design. So it was fun to play around with it and see what they were doing. Um, well. And I, so that was fun. And then started on an adorable game called Animal Restaurant. It's also something <laughs> I'm playing on Android. And that's just like a casual, not much of a thinker. It's just adorable, adorable animals come into your restaurant and eat adorable food. Oh, dang. I'm so, looking at it now. You ain't kidding. <laughs> it's so cute. There's a screenshot that just has like a deer, a possum, and a dog. And at the bottom, it just says, manage the restaurants. <laughs> just seems yes. Like, so <laughs> It's so like self-evidently adorable. Like, yeah. yeah, I hired a promoter cat that promotes my restaurant, and the way that <laughs> oh this cat God. promotes my restaurant is just to wave his paws in the air. Like, oh, the logo is genius. The logo is it. It looks like a logo to a restaurant, <laughs> like a like a like a a, a mid-range sit-down kind of place that you totally see. Yeah. Oh man, that's incredible. Yeah. Wow, really good. Yeah. really good. That's cool. uh, I'm I'm getting this. Okay, good. Well, then you can come. Apparently, if you have friends that you're linked to, you can visit each other's restaurants. So you come down to my place. I can come to and I'll give you Ellen's animal, animal restaurant. Well, that's... I think so. I haven't. I haven't made any friends yet. So you'll be my first restaurant friend. Cool. That sells me all the way. I love it. All right. Yeah. You can come over to my restaurant and order some ramen. We just added it to the menu. Adorable ramen. Anyway, so that's been kind of fun. Um. I don't usually, I mean, once in a while, I'll pick up those casual yeah. kind of like, what are they called? Idle games. Mm -hmm. where You just basically click it on stuff. Yeah. I don't play many of those. Mm -hmm. But I'm always like, when it when it's the right time to play one. Yeah. It's just like the right, it's like, I don't know. It's like getting a cup of hot chocolate when you're coming right. in from outside. It's like just the right yeah. thing at the right time. Yeah. I, I always want to get into more of those because there's such a, a lot of interesting design happening in that space. Because it's fr it's free of a lot of the the concerns a lot of game development has or game design has, and so mm -hmm. it gets to be creative in a different way, and it's pretty interesting to me. But I kind of always just go back to like Spider Solitaire, like when I need something like that, like I go mm -hmm. back to or or um or or play a crossword or something. Like I feel yeah. decidedly old fashioned. I'm like, why aren't I just playing interesting, clever, well made idle games? Why am I just playing Solitaire again when I need five minutes well to, to relax? Some of some of them are pretty exploitative, I think. Like, yeah. Um, well, I I, yeah, a lot I of them do this. have, yeah, those mechanisms. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, not not to not to shoot down the, like the, mm -hmm. the potential for idle games because I think there How are. How much a lot that of, ramen like, cost? And there was, 
Yeah, <laughs> that was just like, that Robin Cuff. <laughs> lots of lots of stars and cod. Ah, I see. Mm-hmm. I, I played this. I played this idle game called um, Penguin Islands on my phone, and I was like, I love yeah. penguins. Yeah, I'll play this. Uh, and then I played it, and like you could get different penguins, and the penguins have different jobs or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was cool for a while, but like I just wanted to get more penguins with more jobs. Mm-hmm. And eventually, mm-hmm. you just in order for you to get more penguins with more jobs, you had to either you know, wait 24 hours in order for your penguins to earn enough currency. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing. Or, or um, you know, spend money. And I was like, well, I'm done with this game now. Yeah. yeah. Right. En- energy <laughs> systems is the principle, yeah. right? I, I yeah. think I, 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 that is kind of a, a line in the sand. I don't think I'll play any game with an energy system. I feel like that is, mm-hmm. it's one, it's not very, it's not a very creative piece of design. Um, but also it's very, it's like, it's so transparent in what it's about. That it, mm-hmm. it makes it makes the experience even an enjoyable experience. It kind of just sours it. Like even if I don't even if I don't intend to spend money, and even if I got plenty of enjoyment out of zero dollars, I feel like well then I'm coming out ahead on this. Like just knowing that's there and, and having to engage the system like that. Yeah, I don't know. It de- yeah for me it really depends on the game. Like mm-hmm. I, there are three games that come to mind that that are kind of bringing up that system. The first game is Penguin Isle, which I downloaded. And yeah. we'll probably play a little bit, but like within the first five minutes, it was apparent that those were the dynamics at play. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another one, a couple that I've played, um, Tiny Death Star, which is like part of that Tiny Tower series where you just add oh. floor after floor after floor. Yeah. Except for because I'm going to add another layer of nerd onto it. It was Tiny Death Star, um, <laughs> which I, I loved. I still remember I had like a whole gym where the Jedi were training on a treadmill. <laughs> Kit Fisto was just like his tentacles were like anyway. Um Yeah, and and then there was Two Dots, which was a puzzle game. Yeah. That also had those dynamics. And that one sucked me in so hard. I I had to uninstall it. Then I reinstalled it. I had to uninstall it again. <laughs> because it was just so it was so good. Um, yeah, yeah, at I, sucking I do hear me a lot in of good I, things about that. It's, I mean, it is really fun, but it, it's, and but the dynamics are just really insidious in that way, mm. and that like it's, you really do get to a point where you have to pay money to keep playing, and I, that's fine. I, and I'd be, I'd be curious to do some research on this. Like, what's is is the level of feeling that someone gets to like of discomfort with those dynamics consistent from game to game? You know, mm. like, mm. is my point of quitting for Penguin Isle similar to my point of quitting for two dots? And if not, like, what are what causes those differences? Um, yeah. May, do I, I like dots more than it. penguins or? <laughs> you know. Yeah. Putting it on the list. <laughs> okay. There's next. There's definitely an <laughs> some interesting, round table in the future. There's a different, an interesting quality of like, how much will you put up with to in, just for something you really enjoy? And mm. and that's that's the part that gets me. It's like. I, I, I don't want to get on that train. Like, I don't like I don't care how good it is. Like, even if that tiny nagging feeling in the back that is like that I have to fight past, um, I feel like that's just that's a burden on me. Like, you know, um, even if it's like the best, you know, economic model for a game like this, like even if it's not mm-hmm. exploitative, ultimately, like just the fact that it plays with those dynamics at all, I feel is sort of a failure of design. Um, but I don't know how fair that is. I don't know. Well, I, I imagine there's an ethical way to use energy systems, but oh, I, I imagine you know. so. I don't, I don't know. There's a yeah, ton of but examples, no one's but, interested but in doing it at sure. the moment. <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah, but I'm, yeah, um, I think even in that situation where I don't feel icky about it, I still don't. Yeah, I still don't like that kind of stress um, in game. Sure. Right. 
That's fair. Yeah. This would be like the perfect point to segue into topic number one. But Mark, you also have an update and I want to hear about it. Oh, yeah. So since we last recorded, I made a whole damn game engine. Um, <laughs> what? Um, what? <laughs> so we recorded two weeks ago. I know. So <laughs> actually, yeah, that's the interesting part. Um, so right. <laughs> uh, listeners may know that I've been working with um, the Playdate, which is a, a little tiny handheld made by Panic, uh, the company that published Firewatch. Mm -hmm. And it's a tiny um, sort of Game Boy-like uh, handheld. It's it's bright yellow. It's this adorable thing. It has a crank but a, and two buttons and a D-pad. So it's it's an, a one-bit black and white screen. Um, it's, it's a very cool, charming device. It's been delayed because of pandemic reasons. Uh, and Panic's getting it off the ground, but I've been part of this developer preview for it. So I have a dev unit. I've been developing uh, a game for it. And as I was, and it's a, mi it's a mini game collection that I'm making. And so um, partly because I want to play with all the different uh, hardware of the device, right? It's very Nintendo feeling where it's got an accelerometer. It's got a microphone. It's got this crank, which is hilarious. Um, mm -hmm. And so you can do a lot of fun Nintendo DS style uh, mechanics with it. And because, you know, I'm much more used to making PC and console games. I'm, I'm really enjoying playing with hardware. Um, I used to do some mobile development, and I, I did always like that there was lots of cool uh, hardware features, but I never found a lot of use for them. But this thing is so charming and conducive to gameplay features that I'm really, really excited to play with it. So I want to make a mini game collection. So we're working on that. And I realized that, like, you know what? What I should be doing is I should be building the architecture of this thing, like how to move from game to game, how the main menus work. Um, and then I don't have to do a lot of heavy design thinking for each of these things. I have sort of design documents for each of these six mini games I'm putting into it, but I haven't made a lot of progress on those yet because I want to have a framework first because I want to like, what does the meta game feel like? How does the, how they interact with each other? So I've been making this, this structure for this thing. And then about a little bit way through, I having conversation with other devs on the dev forums, um, and the, the discord talking about like the, the gotchas with developing. The, the SDK for this system is great. This is going to be an excellent hobbyist machine for people to make their own games. Like it's the, it's really, really, it's, it's faster to understand and do like from, from zero than something like Unity or something like that. So I'm, I think that's really, really cool. Um, but it also made it easy for me to take what I was building and turn it into a genericized scene manager, input manager, data manager, like a, a game engine. And so I realized I had that on my hands. And so I kind of decided, okay, well, I'm, I, I moved all that code into a new repo and I started making it as a game engine. Um, and in about a week and a half, um, I had something enough to, uh, to share publicly with the, uh, publicly, but uh, with the other developers in the dev preview program. Um, and once the play date goes live uh, and the SDK is public, um, I'll be, it'll be up for anybody. Um, it'll be an open source wow. game engine. And I'm really, really excited about it, um, partly because uh, the, the structure of the SDK is such that I don't need to build a physics model. I don't need to do a sprite collisions. I don't need to do, there's a lot of things I don't need to do because they're built directly into the SDK. It's very flash-like in that way, where it's kind of all, you don't really need any libraries to make anything you want, but things like scene management, things like managing, uh, um, like when you go from a main menu to a game, how do you change how, how, what imp how inputs work? Things like that, you still have to build yourself. And I, so I realized, well, I can just build it once. And and because I have a lot of experience with um, different Flash engines and with Unity, and I kind of know, uh, I feel like I know, I have, I have opinions on how these things should be put together. So I'm putting that into this project. And it's been a fun thing because it also isn't slowing me down on this minigame collection I'm making. I needed to do all of this to make my minigame yeah. collection. So um, cool. it's been a lot, a, lot, a lot of fun. And I can't wait to share it with everybody. 
Um, but I just, um, you know, put it out for the developer community, which is still pretty small. So I, I hope to get a lot of feedback from those folks. Um, yeah. and some sanity checks because I, it came together really quickly. I, I need to know where it's, what parts are broken and what parts don't make sense and stuff like that. But I'm also really encouraged, um, when this thing goes public and when this device comes out, I really think of it as it's going to be, I don't know how successful it will be as a consumer product that people buy games on, but because everyone can make their own games for it. Um, I think that uh, consumer, uh, you know, that uh, person who buys a Playdate um, is going to want tools to make games easier to make. And uh, so I kind of want to provide one. Cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So I'll, I'll keep I'll keep listeners yeah. updated as that goes. Um, um, but I, I probably won't have a lot to say about it until I can actually show it uh, to you. Yeah. Um, Are you like the, the first one to like? develop an engine for the play date yeah I know that so people have been tinkering the, with it but. the community is really really small um it's a couple hundred okay. people and then the people who are active in it is a little smaller and that's how it always goes um a yeah. bunch of people have been sharing a bunch of cool libraries that they've been developing uh but no no one has attempted a scene manager or or a a, a game engine for it and a, a part of that honestly is because the sdk is really good it does a lot for you um so yeah, this yeah. is this isn't as heavy a lift as as even building like a flash game engine would be um, um, or something similar in, in a in an object oriented language, or uh, you know, like a a, a framework libraries or uh, for Unity. It's a much smaller project, even though it does a lot, um, yeah. because the hooks are all there. Um, but uh, just some of those the, the conversations I've had with people are like, oh yeah, I would love to be able to like have like transitions between scenes, and so I built like a little animation library of like crossfades and different things will like suspend one scene, move to another, but then have like a, a transition between them um, without having to have both scenes loaded in memory. That's the kind of things you think about, even, even when you're working in Unity, uh, it doesn't do out of the box for you necessarily. And it's just a lot easier to like actually implement that stuff on a very limited yeah. small device that, you know, um, uh, it's defined by its parameters. And so, um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, uh, there's not there's nothing else in the community like it right now. I do expect that when it's a public device, depending on how successful it is, of course, there will be a lot more people once they get their hands on it, building a lot in more interesting tools. Um, but there isn't much yeah. yet. Cool, cool. Mm -hmm. That's exciting stuff. Yeah, I remember when I played um, I played Playdate at the uh, Game Devs of Color conference mm -hmm. in the before times, I suppose. <laughs> um, and uh, <laughs> And I, yeah, I remember that thing being really cool, but yeah, like I think it, like the way you're describing it makes it sound like perfect for the machine. Like it's a hobbyist yeah. kind of like tool. And I think that'll mm -hmm. be really very fascinating to see people. And hopefully like, like uh, people can take advantage of the engine that you develop and make yeah. some interesting stuff out of that. The other thing is it's, um, I'm writing it in Lua because Lua is the, the, mm -hmm. the scripting language that the Playdate uses. And I'm yeah. starting to like it. I didn't, I didn't like Lua when wait, I started. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Lua is interest. It's very interesting. It has a oh, okay. It it's um it's not object oriented, but you can. Yeah. But most a lot or many many frameworks, including the Playdate SDK, um, graphs and a, a basic object oriented kind of framework on it. Um and um, but it doesn't work quite the same way. And so, like learning the ins and outs of that. But it's um uh um um a friend of ours described it to me as like. Really interesting because you can learn the entire, you can memorize the entire language. It's a very, very simple. There's like no public private accessors. Um, there's only like four types, uh, uh, like uh, primitive types. Um, there's nothing, there's no difference between a number and an integer. Um, there's tons yeah. of dynamic typing, which normally I hate. Like I hate that in JavaScript. 
But um, in here, it's really interesting because there's lots of also type inference. Um, so you can actually kind of work through it. I like I keep being tempted to use things like Hungarian notation and anybody who's familiar with that knows that 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 way lays danger um, because you don't always know <laughs> what you're passing around. But because of that, you yeah. you don't have to do any type check checking. You can you can have a, you can you can assign uh, you can have tables that have uh, arbitrary uh, entries and, and that's. That kind of freedom really speeds you up. And then it's all um, Lua itself doesn't have a compiler. It's all down to C in the end. And so it's still really performant. Um, and now that I know uh, how Lua works and what's interesting about it, there's tons of the like um, Roblox games are scripted in Lua. Tabletop Simulator is scripted in Lua. A lot of frameworks that people write things for use Lua as a front end for that stuff. And so, um, and this is a, it's a brand new universe to me. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about it, um, which is very much surprising. I've reluctantly learned this language. <laughs> learning something new can be something that drains you, right? Because if you're going to learn something, really learn it, not just like expose your brain to it. Mm -hmm. uh, it takes energy from you. It takes focus. And that, that can, takes can confirm. Can confirm. <laughs> I don't know, Mark, whether Lua has been particularly draining compared to other languages. I'm getting the impression maybe it hasn't been for you, or at least less than you expected. It. I expected it to be worse. Um, okay. But its properties make it e do, do make it easier to learn, especially if you do have experience mm -hmm. with other languages. Um, right. Okay. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. And expectations do matter when it comes to like yeah the difficulty of something. If you if, if it's easier than if you expect it to be just. A grind and it's not quite as much of a grind that can be that can be relatively freeing yeah. for your brain mm -hmm. it's a trick but it works um, it is a trick it's all i mean it's all perception right mm -hmm. so yeah that brings us to the idea of an internal battery and the topic i wanted to talk today to talk about today was uh basically like does <clears throat> gameplay drain you or does it recharge you Mm. So let's back up a little bit. So like the idea of an internal battery is that kind of like the, basically the amount of doing that you have in, in a day or a given period of time. Yeah. Um, it's your like, your daily capacity for doing stuff or your weekly com capacity for doing stuff or your ongoing capacity for doing things mm -hmm. and doing. I mean, like that. I mean, that in the most broad way that I could possibly. It's like doing your work for your paycheck, going to the gym, going to your meeting cleaning your dishes, thinking about the news, deciding which shoes to buy or what case to get for your phone or what you're making for lunch. Um, yeah, so all those things can drain you and other things can recharge you. Uh, I'm just curious, you know, for you two, like what what kind of things recharge you and what kind of things drain you? Hmm. Good question. Because uh, some, I, I feel like it switches a lot. Um. Like you you brought up games like sometimes mm -hmm. they can be recharging but like i found that like that has even switched even during the pandemic like mm -hmm. even like literally during the pandemic like so neo 2 came out uh, like a month or two after pandemic stuff started mm -hmm. um and i borrowed my my parents ps4 and like played that a bunch and it was it was really nice too because like i would in between like stuff for work or whatever i would like go through a level in neo and stuff and like you know neo is is hard but like it's it's very fun and the, the combat system is very fun and so that would help me feel a little bit better about like coming coming back and working and do, getting some stuff done mm -hmm. um but then this this year 2021 it came out in um on pc 
And I was really excited for that because then I could have it for myself and I didn't need to borrow my parents' stuff to play it. Um, <laughs> but I found myself not playing it as much and mm-hmm. I found it to be more difficult for me to get back into it hmm. um, the second time around. And maybe part of it is because I played the game already. Um, and so like it's like you're just rehashing the same stuff, but like there's new... Um, I'm using a different weapon. So like the content that I'm consuming isn't the same. There's mm-hmm. new stuff that I'm seeing. Um, but I, yeah, I'm finding it more difficult to get into. Um, and it, it, it feels a little bit more like work. It feels a lot more like work than it did um, when I played it before. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so that's been kind of weird. But yeah, I don't know. I, 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 yeah, I feel like it just switches for me um, on and off what, what, what works for me and what doesn't. Okay. I think that makes sense. I don't think that's, I would imagine that's a common experience especially when like your entire life gets reconfigured and I'll, I'll come back yeah. to that later yeah uh mark what about you i don't i don't know i don't it's a really i've been thinking about this the whole time you were asking and steven was answering like how i would phrase it but it's not necessarily the the language i used when i to describe it like i i don't know there are definitely i think we're all this way where you can start a game and you can you're like oh crap it's three in the morning um mm-hmm. and and I'm like how would I describe that experience like because I'm very tired after that but like that's not that's not the that's not you don't mean that right you're you're talking about like energizing your your yourself in a in a in a different way not just running through the calories yeah. or whatever um right yeah. right and and I don't it's it's kind of hard I mean I have a very um addictive personality so anything I'm doing now I will do until the end of time um if, if unless something else can can get in my way and so i don't i maybe i just don't have the cues to know whether i'm being drained or not uh with stuff like that but i've definitely there are games i've definitely played well past you know to get to a checkpoint or whatever um well past where it was a lot of fun um and that that last hour of of assassin's creed or whatever that i played that night is like it's (laughs) like i could have maybe saved that for tomorrow um or something and maybe that is kind of closer to the the spectrum. Um, this is not a good answer, Ellen. I'm sorry. Uh, That's okay. But I'm, I'm just having difficulty, like how to like. Is it because I don't understand? I can't express it, or I, or because it's the way I approach it. Um, I don't know which is the case. Or the question isn't phrased well, and that's okay. I mean, like, this is this is this is really looking for like precise language and answers here probably just the realm of some psychologists doing some studies somewhere um but i suspect that when it comes to like the idea of like draining your battery versus recharging your battery has something to do with execution capacity Mm -hmm. you know like your ability to to take a thought and act on the thought um and i'm not sure exactly what that relationship is um i know there's some some talk about like when it comes to extroverts and introverts, what drains you, what recharges you. Mm-hmm. I'm an ambivert, which means some in both category I find recharging and some in other, you know, like some group activities are really recharging for me and energizing for me and some are not. Yeah. And some solo activities are really energizing and recharging for me and some are not, um, which, you know, maybe it just kind of a point to like usually binaries aren't the best way to, to capture <laughs> yeah. the human experience yeah i was yeah. gonna say I, I i i normally a lot of people i guess when they meet me they think of me as an extrovert 
because I, I I tend I I guess I used to like run a bunch of social events and things mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. and be a part of social events. Like I go out, I would go out to clubs and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I mean, um, Stephen, I haven't I, seen I, you at a party in like a year at least. <laughs> Everyone's an introvert now. <laughs> but um um uh no, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. Um. But like I, uh, I, I, I find myself. I, I find that I don't have a lot of endurance for that kind of stuff. Like I enjoy yeah. it, but like I feel like I go, uh, I, I burn bright and then yeah, die off pretty quick. Um, but like I, I, I oftentimes will seek that stuff out. Um, but it doesn't always. It doesn't always like, um, you know, give me energy. It doesn't fill up the battery. Mm-hmm. Whereas like sometimes I'll like stay home and like that feels nice and I'm like recharged and I can go go back ready to work or do whatever it is, do social things and things like that. Um, but other times, like I'll be at home and I'll be just itching to, you know, see other people and be like, Oh, I, I'm so, so sick of just talking to myself <laughs> the whole time or whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it flips. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, basically what I'm saying is I, that the ambivert thing, I guess feels more accurate to how I feel versus extrovert or introvert. I don't think I can really, I don't fit in between. Yeah, in, that's a good. Uh, that's a good. I, I hadn't heard that term, but I know immediately what it means when you when you say it. Yeah, and that mm-hmm. it feels like everyone must be a little bit of that. It's just where on the line, right? Um, yeah, and uh, the both of you describing those things like, "Oh, that sounds like me too." It's, it, it. I wonder if it's a universal experience, except for the thresholds and what triggers you to go on, to one side or the other. Um, but that really reminds me um, of uh, like the gamer motivation profiles. Um, mm. Do you remember those? We did those a long time ago. Um, might be a good. Yeah. Maybe we should the three of us do uh, do that again and um, maybe compare and see how uh, how that is. But what's great about that, that's that's sort of a personality quiz that lets you uh, that gives you a result as to what what interests you about games, and it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, but that I think fits a lot into what Ellen, how you initially introduced this topic, this idea of like what in games. Um, not like what games or when it when uh, what conditions on the couch uh, energize you or depletes you, but what kind of games energize you and deplete you, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think about like um, games that um, games that let you create or produce or progress. So uh, n- games with that have a, a, a linear story, games where are that are creative that let you create your own uh, um, things. Um, those are the things that appeal to me. And games that don't do that, where there's more of a grind or I'm going for a high score rather than a, a final scene, um, those don't appeal to me as much. And I think that those are the kinds of experiences that even when I'm enjoying myself, like uh, uh, I would say drain me. So I'm, I'm coming around to being able to describe this in this language, I think. Yeah, and I think you're getting to where I ended up, kind of close to where I ended up after I was thinking about this topic. Mm-hmm. And I think it's been something I've kind of been picking at in my brain. Gosh, that's kind of a terrible visual. Um, <laughs> it's I've been kind of looping on this topic in my brain for a while because mm-hmm. I can't, like, I don't, I feel like I need to find a resolution for it and I can't. But prior to the pandemic, PC gaming was just like a big source of recharging for me. It was yeah. like, I got to sit and plug in. I was, you know, I, and I got, I got energy from the system. Yeah. And lately I've just found myself like not interested in playing games on my PC other than like the tabletop simulator games that we might play or, you know, weekly sessions of D and D like sitting down and playing a game by myself, Mm -hmm. like a solo game that's from my steam library. 
used to just get me really excited. Like, oh yeah, I can spend a few hours doing this. And now I'm like, I have a few hours. I can do this. <laughs> and it's just such a drastic switch. And it kind of just happened without me really understanding it. I'm, I'm mm. just trying to understand it. I think also, like, I want to find a resolution for it. Cause I have all these games in my library and I want to play them. But I don't <laughs> want to play them when I have time. And Eric has taken over the Switch. He's playing <laughs> Stardew Valley all the time. <laughs> so I just wanted to think about, like, okay, here are these feelings I'm having. Why am I feeling them? And I think it comes down to a few different factors, some of which you were just touching on, Mark. Mm-hmm. Um so, like, why is PC gameplay draining my battery rather than charging it like it used to? Mm-hmm. And I think um, that it could be I just didn't download games that are in the genres I know, like, do recharge me. Be- mm-hmm. And that actually kind of plays into one of the points of that I that I came to. Because, mm-hmm. um, Mark, that's what you just mentioned. Like, if there are games that types of games, types of dynamics or genres that you know um, play into your personal preferences, then those are probably going to be more recharging than others that are outside of that, you know, sphere. Yeah. Um, but I think I have I have over the past several years tended towards purchasing games that are very unlike each other. Mm-hmm. So because I want to feed my design brain, I want to I yeah. want to experience like a lot of different types of gameplay that are really innovative and different from one another. And that's not necessarily that's not necessarily recharging though. Like that's that's might be a drain because mm. I'm not really playing it for. Am I really playing it for fun? And this comes down to like the idea of intention. When you're sitting down to do something, yeah. what's your intention behind it? And I think I have I maybe have not been giving myself enough space to just have an intention for fun, and yeah. I've been giving myself basically homework, <laughs> and that might be a big part of it. Um, a couple other factors is like, yeah, my workplace, my, my play space has become my workspace because I work from home and I switched to being a freelancer. So I don't have an office space that I can go to. It's all right here in the same desk. Um, that might be a part of it. And then the third piece that I really didn't think about until I asked Eric about this, he pointed out, you've got more games to choose from. You know, I've got a I've got a large library of games and lots of them are ones I haven't played yet. Mm-hmm. So like when I'm thinking, what game am I going to play next? What new game am I going to play next that I haven't tried yet? It's like, well, choose from these couple hundred <laughs> that you have. <laughs> and yeah. also don't forget about those 1600 games you got on itch. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that just kind of, it's a decision fatigue or decision paralysis yeah, yeah. kind of yeah. issue. So that's that's kind of what I came down to. I don't know. What do you guys think? Does that resonate with you? All? Uh, just on that last point, it's really interesting because yeah, the the those sixteen hundred the the itch racial justice bundle from last year. Somebody built a website which will randomize. So you can pick a random random bundle game, is what it is. And I was like, mm-hmm. there should just be like a a local utility on your machine that does that with your Steam library. Where mm-hmm. like I I'm I'm I've said this on the show before, but I don't have an enormous Steam library. Like I'm not like apparently most Steam players. Um, and so, um, a lot of this is just me from the outside looking in, but when people talk about like having all these games, like a big backlog or whatever, I, my mind goes to, well, what tools can we build to fix that either within steam itself, um, or more likely someone else building it. Um, and, 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 uh, just to make that less burdensome, right. To make it more of a, like, 
uh, and then you then intentionality can be can can be brought in because you can sit down to not play a type of game, but sit down to be surprised and delighted, right? Um, mm -hmm. If that becomes your intention, and then then you can even play a game you don't like, but in more of a sense of curiosity, um, and then you get it off your backlog or whatever. So like uh, the uh, when you when you started describing this, it immediately became clear the thing that was missing from uh, me coming getting closer to where you started from is the idea you introduced with this, which is context um and and those different uh, uh categories you described um mm -hmm. yeah hmm. yeah and then the way you're describing it Mark, makes reminds me of how like i will sometimes go on netflix or hulu and i'll be like i'm really looking for a particular movie to watch mm -hmm. um, and so i will try to find that a uh, movie that fits within that particular kind of movie because like that's what i'm feeling in the moment yeah um, whereas other times I'll just go back to Futurama or something, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and watch that. Um, and like it, 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 and that, like, I think that like that happens with games sometimes too. Where like sometimes you're just in the mood to try something different. Mm -hmm. Um, I found personally that I, generally speaking, I'm not super in the mood to try a new thing, <laughs> which is great. But um, um, but I, I also, I also feel Ellen in that like I am very interested in playing new games because I want to understand like the design choices that they made like people will be like one thing i've always wanted to get into that i've never um, played is that um lord of the rings game with the nemesis system in it i yeah. can't remember what it's called at the moment mm. um shadows and mortar yeah that's it shadows and mortar um because like i really wanted to see how the nemesis system worked and things but i've read enough about it and watched enough videos to know how it works at this point that i don't need to play it but yeah. I, even then i'm still like i should probably still play this game um <laughs> But like, I wouldn't be playing it because I want to play it. I'd be playing it because I want to further my craft. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, you know, so I, that feels like a different purpose. There, before I forget, um, recently yeah. somebody did a, a jam on itch called the Nemesis Jam, um, which was uh, oh right with that. There's there's six, uh, five or six games that that uh, ended up as a result of that. So you could probably tear through that in a night if you're really interested in like design expression. That's good. Yeah, and mm -hmm. then they don't have to play a giant triple A game. That's a good <laughs> idea. <laughs> it's I do that a lot. I find myself on deep dives on like fandom and YouTube because some mechanic of some game that came up is really interesting to me. But I'm like, but I I don't know. I just find myself hooked in by that media. Yeah, I could just go play the game. Yeah, but like. I don't know. Isn't sometimes that, it's sometimes, that fundamental identity thing. Like we're game designers. Like at a certain point, we're not gamers anymore. Like not, yeah. not, not principally anymore. And like, that's, I mean, I tend to celebrate that fact, but like, it also is kind of a bummer. Like, yeah. you know, my yeah. brother, yeah, my brother will oftentimes like, I'll like criticize a game or something. He'll be like, why are you looking at this? Like a game designer, you should be playing it like a gamer. And I'm like, I can't turn them off. Yeah. Don't, don't tell me that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it also says it, that like it, being a game yeah. designer is fun. Like that's 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 yeah. engaging for your brain. You enjoy that, and that's so like why I'm doing it. it's not so much a tragedy as like a just like yeah, yeah. you have to realize that like that's just how you approach these things. And well, exactly. And yeah. I enjoy you know the like analyzing how the system works with other systems to see how this you know why they made the decisions that they made. Yeah, um, and things like that. Like I I find that fun even if I'm just you know playing the game. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. Why do I feel sad about it then? <laughs> I, f I don't. I feel like I've lost something, but I well, maybe, it's, I don't well, know. I think it's kind of like your innocence is lost. Well, it's it's maybe. like um, yeah, maybe it's it's what happens when you get your dream job, right? Like you can't have your yeah. hobby anymore, right? 
Um, oh, you're totally right. And so yeah. I, I think that's totally what it is. And that's that goes back to this idea of like draining your battery. It's like you're, yeah. you're working all day excited and charged up about this design uh, that you're working on. And then you go in for the thing you want to have fun with. You engage that same part of your brain. Um, yeah. And, and because you can't help it because that's what you want to do. It's not like coming home oh, from this. a job you hate and trying to do something relaxing. That's that's so fascinating too because like before before I got the job that I have now I you know I was I was working in a field that had nothing to do with video games yeah and so like I would I guess even at this job I was working at I would work on games like on the side <laughs> yeah um Mr Fetty was cool with it <laughs> yeah for the record um, and, <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and um and so like that helped like I I felt a lot uh, that was a lot of where I was feeling my passion and stuff I was mm-hmm. just working on games but now that I work on games full time. I feel like I don't have I don't have as much energy to work on games as I did in the past outside of work and even during work, too, sometimes. And the world has been robbed of Sledgehammer Bride as a result. Oh, yeah, I I do still think about that game very frequently. I man, every time you've described it to me, I'm just it's like I want to see more of that. You got to get back to it. I really want to I really want to work on that. (laughs) Um, And I, I have been thinking about, like, if there's a way for me to work on a game without or like work on a game but not like uh, i guess i like have a career that has nothing to do with games and work on games on the side again yeah i don't know if that makes sense it's tough i don't know if that makes sense for me either i believe Uh, that i mean there is a lot of discussion on this topic because it happens to everybody like you know people who are artists who go into graphic design who you know are filmmakers who work in commercial video like it's it happens to so many creative people um, mm-hmm. that there should be there should be a lot of resources for you to mine for how people coping strategies for people. Um, maybe yeah. we'll mm-hmm. dig around and hope, put some in the show notes. And if you don't find any, it's because we were lazy about it. But <laughs> but it should, it should <laughs> yeah. be easy to find. Our, dra- our batteries were drained. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> our batteries were drained. Yeah. <sighs> I will say that's what actually I was going to bring this up. This will come up next week because we're going to be doing a nice games jam. Uh, for our next episode, which we're recording today, but listener, you'll hear next week. And I've been dreading it actually because we've been doing Robostin <laughs> these past ten weeks, and I'm like, I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm done with that. But um, we, we do it. <laughs> so I'm actually very curious how we manage uh, working in that format on a different thing. Like, it, I'm actually quite yeah. curious, but also a little bit like, okay, I don't know if I got the energy for it. You know? <laughs> yeah, it, it takes it takes a different kind of energy. Go pound a monster. After the <laughs> Go pound a monster. <laughs> hey, folks. Um, do you tweet? Uh, yes, sometimes. Mm. I'm tweeting mostly. Yes, sometimes I do tweet. Okay, so basically, you have no excuse to not follow at Nice Games Club. Now, why why would you want to do that? Other than there is no excuse not to, which is good enough. But if you need another reason, I will placate you. Uh, we have a couple reasons. One, uh, Dale runs our, our Twitter account, and Dale is way cool, right? There's evidence of that all over the place. I don't need to recount all of it. Um, also, you're going to get really interesting uh, game dev content. Uh, we talk about what we're doing on the show, but also uh, Dale scours uh, the Twitterverse and retweets a bunch of cool game dev stuff. Um, and uh, the third reason is that it is uh, <laughs> there's lots of silly stuff also things like <laughs> jokes and cats and the things you're on the internet for in general you can be have curated by super cool Dale mixed in with a bunch of really fun game dev stuff so 
If you want to follow uh, Nice Games Club, and of course you do, at Nice Games Club, give us a follow, hear more about the show, hear more about other fun stuff. And now I'm getting kind of aggressive about it, but maybe I should cool down a little bit. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I follow Nice Games Club. Oh, well then that's yeah. cool. Then I feel better. Now. So yeah, if you want yeah. to make me feel better, because again, no excuse not to. I'll go do that right now, not like I wasn't before. <laughs> <laughs> Commit to the bit, Stephen. Commit to the bit. <laughs> As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, that was this topic. Here's this new topic. <laughs> we can't. I'm not convinced. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. I'm just gonna start. Um. Uh -huh. So I've been I've been um thinking about uh I mean I guess we talked about this a little bit on the last on the last uh, episode too. Um, like how um how like people when they, like um I'll look at other games and I'll like see how people make came to the decisions they made i'm trying to determine like why they decided that this mechanic needs to be in this game and such like that mm -hmm. um and i um and i, I and i've also been thinking about that in terms of like games i want to make like you brought up sledgehammer bright um which is really man i really want to make that game one day uh <laughs> um and so i i i get basically what i'm trying to uh come to with this topic is I want to question all of us here in the clubhouse, but also people listening, um, where you find your artistic voice and what your artistic voice like is. That's mm -hmm. um, one thing we definitely say on the show all the time is that any game you make is going to be unique because you are the one making it. Um, and I still strongly believe in that. Um, but I do think that like there are ways that like you can better communicate like ideas that you you want to communicate or ideas that like you have in your head that you know or you're trying to communicate to people through game design or art or music or what have you um and so i guess i just wanted to bring to the table like mm -hmm. um everyone here how where what is, what do you feel is your best way to communicate your artistic voice and like how did you discover upon that weird well, let me, let me ask you a, qu question. a clarifying question first. When yes. you say artistic yes. voice, do you mean, like, what am I in this for? What do I want to say? Or my artistic mm -hmm. voice and, like, how do I want to express it? What is my, um, what is my method or technique or uh, independent of the thing I want to say? Like, w sure. it, or that's is it good. both? That's good. Uh, I would say it is both, but it's I, the, what I'm 
leaning towards, at least in, in the context of this question, is like how is how you're how you're um, expressing um, the ideas that you want to express. Yeah, um, more so. Um, I think like what you want to express is is part of that in some ways. Right. But um, but yeah, like the how I think is in, instead of the what. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ellen, take it away. <laughs> Gosh, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm still just wrapped up in Stephen's original question. Like, and then I thought about your. This is so, this is so deep, you guys. This is <laughs> layers of the onion here. We're in it, yeah. I don't, I don't really know. I, like, I just, I feel like, I, I don't, I don't know if I struggle with this. Mm-hmm. Okay. I honestly don't. I'm struggling with the question. Yeah. I'm not struggling sure. with the idea. Like I just, if I, if I want to make something, I just make it, yeah. and it's sure. usually bad, and I don't care. <laughs> like I just, like even if it's not not necessarily games. Like I really, I really care about the craft of game design, and I do try to make sure that the things that I create in that sphere, and also like in any interactive design, are thought through well. Um, but for any other creative or artistic thing that I want to do, like, I don't know much about it. I don't ever let that stop me. It's like, I have this idea and I need to see it realized. Like you're not your, you're not your own art critic. Like you don't need to interrogate it the way someone who views your work might be interested in interrogating its construction or, or its development. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know. I don't struggle with, it's just there. I don't. Mm hmm. I don't know. It's yeah. just there, no. and it's clear. And it's clear. That's mm. super fascinating to me because I have that problem where I get in my way. Um, as mm. my therapist is describing, yes. <laughs> and I'm describing it now. Um, like it's, I, I, I tend to like think that I have to think things through before, like it could be put on the, the canvas, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, because mm-hmm. like I, I want it to be right, or I, I, it feels like a perfectionist thing, but I yeah. think it's more like an excuse for me to not do it more Could so because be. um, it's like i don't want to do all this work it's more it's too much effort even though i want to do it and i'll get a lot of fulfillment out of it yeah i'm like i'm i'm cool where i am um it's like i think it's like a protection mechanism and i i don't and it's something i'm trying to work right it's, it's risk avoidance think, right yeah yeah risk avoidance yeah, yeah. like that um emotional, emotional vulnerability i mean mm-hmm. to build yeah. something and put it out in the world is very it's very much an act of emotional vulnerability, which yeah. opens yeah. you up to all kinds of pain, even if it's just like no one ever sees it. It's still <laughs> well, the, but like you'll still see it, and you're yeah. kind of opening yourself up to it. In a, yeah, um, yeah, emotional vulnerability like that. Um, and so, like, I think maybe part of the question I am asking is is like that aspect, like, um, how do you get over that? How do you, or how do you like part of it is how do you you know express yourself and how do you like how yeah how how do you go about doing that but also like how do you actively do it <laughs> that's a weird like well, the action and the the, the act and the, the how yeah the well i think there's a couple of components right like uh, one of the things that mm-hmm. i think i uh, i i feel i benefit from is yeah w- the um, the separation of the uh, the the what I want to say and the tools I need to say it like and and not yeah. not tying them so close together. I think there's a lot of artists who are um, actually quite good at binding those all up together. I think that's a perfectly reasonable way to work. But I, I feel I benefit mm-hmm. from being able to um, say that like oh like 
it allows me to investigate and learn more um, because yeah. I'm not scared of can I make this thing in this way. I'm like, yeah. I, I start making it and then, or I start going for it and then decide how, what way as I go, um, because I know I can learn it as I, as along the way. Um, and mm -hmm. so I, I feel like that it's like, I ultimately it's just like finding useful strategies, um, is the, the one half of it. The other half of it is just knowing yourself, right. Is, um, yeah. the, uh, this, I mean, this is sort of, um, circular, but like, uh, finding your artistic voice is easier when you, when you sort of know a little bit of it already. Right. Um, right. And, and, but then also still being open to, um, and we talked about this when we were making Robustin, like it, ultimately it is what it is, right? It's not a choice you're making to, it is what it is. You make little choices along the way, but what it ends up yeah. to being is what it is. And so you don't have to worry about, um, uh, hitting a target necessarily, um, right. a, a, a final, like if this is a thing you want to say, or this is a, this is a unique take on a, on a, on a, um, on a topic or a feeling or a, or, or, or even just an idea. Um, mm -hmm. You don't necessarily have to worry. I mean, you should, I mean, you, you decide what to care about, what not to care about, but it's freeing and allows you to explore and, and, and uh, be open to um, and less stressed about your work. If you're comfortable letting it be what it becomes. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah. But it, ha but you yeah. do need to have some strong, like, principles and artistic uh, uh, notions otherwise you can end up making something totally off what you'd expect to and then not caring that it has nothing to do with your your opinion or your your view um or, or right. your 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 message uh, uh, your like your voice is useful but it needs to say what you want to say um yeah I feel like I'm sort of contradicting myself now, but it all lines up. I think I think it's back together. Okay. No, I, I think what you're saying, is, uh, yeah, like this a bit of a um teacher tottering you gotta do i don't know a little bit of that sort yeah. of like like because like i think it is important like when you're making your game you're you are you're making it but you're also like discovering what the game is yeah both of that um but if you discover that the game is not the what you want it to be then you can make changes and put it more in line with what you want it to be yeah if that's what you want to do and recognizing um, that point is like if you've got something really hot really it's like it's on fire it's doing great it's, it works to players love it but then you realize, yeah. wait a minute, this isn't the thing I want to make, even though it's working. Right. Then, like, that's yeah. kind of a that's a dangerous crossroads. And if you don't know what you want, if you don't know what your feelings are, what you what you want to express, if you don't know yourself as an artist, then you can just yeah. start making stuff, and then it can be yeah. great, but it it won't be true to to right. distill it into aphorisms. You know, I you know I'm I'm realizing something about myself through this conversation, mm -hmm. and I think. That is that for me, at least, the artistic component of making is really about the process of making it. Hmm. Yeah. The, the thing that I like to do is not, is not end up with a result. You know, like that's not the yeah. most, it's almost like the least rewarding part of the entire thing. The, the thing that I love doing is building things with people. Mm-hmm with teams of people or just build the process of building things is so rewarding in and of itself that if it ends up being something completely different than I expected, that is okay because I had the experience of making the decisions that resulted in that difference. And right. that almost come like those decisions are present in the work, 
even if they're not apparent to viewers or consumers of the work, um, they're still part of the journey that that piece took from its conception to its realization. And for me, the thing that's fulfilling like emotionally and artistically is that journey, not the, not the product. Mm -hmm. Sure. You, you, when you say it like that, you sound like an artiste. I don't know what <laughs> I don't know how to, you 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 know you know you know the feeling I'm saying yeah 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 yeah, yeah. it's not a, I don't know that that's the correct word but like yeah like you just like discover I mean other people um describe it this way too like when they're making game they're finding the fun mm-hmm. um it's not I, I it's not exactly what you're you're saying Ellen because like you're 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 what it sounded like to me is that like you you are enjoying the process and so the result is not the result is not as important as the process to you. You don't find as much value in the actual um, the project at the end. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's more, just not. Yeah. It's not what I'm. It's not what I have in mind. Like I have the vision in mind for the sure. pro- final product, but for me, like the thing that is like art. If you want, if you believe that art should challenge you and should help you grow, the yeah. thing that I find most helpful is the process of developing it mm-hmm. to that end, yeah. you know? That's, and I, yeah, that's good. Yeah. And you maybe that's find what part of it you care about. Stuff. Right. Cause, cause I, yeah. Ellen, I think you and I differ on that. Like I, cause I, I feel, uh, I have a lot of investment in, 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 in using, um, a medium like games mm-hmm. or any other thing to, as a delivery mechanism, right. That matters yeah. to me. And it isn't always going to, end up exactly how I want it, obviously, like, you know, the things change as you go, like we've both been describing. Um, but that's really relevant to me, but but that's just relevant to me, right? And the work that I'm doing. Um, mm-hmm. And and I think it's really important to recognize not just what you what is important to you, but really pin down what's not important to you. Um, mm-hmm. And so you can know when to be freer and open with that stuff. So you can so you can try something that is different and scary, because it isn't going to it isn't going to do any damage to your ultimate goal, right? Um, and le- and and letting those things be what they're going to be. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot about like there's certain sort of um, uh, player um, emotions that I I, I want to make th- in the, all the work I do, and certain things that I'm very specifically want to stay away from. And one of the things I really don't like is um, is intense competitive spirit. Like mm-hmm. I don't like that in in games that I play, and I don't want to make games that that invoke that. And so I'm very wary of doing things like adding leaderboards to a game, um, even though that's an engagement mechanic. So like I, I, I would step back from that in, it, it would hurt it, the game's success, but I feel like I'm, I'm very nervous about what that does to thing. But um, I'm also, I'm all like Metro Nexus is a, is a competitive game and mm-hmm. I didn't set out to make it a competitive. It's just as I was developing it, it ended up, making a competitive mode helped me test and build other things. And then it was fun and I became interested in it, but I still had to hold on to what I, um, what, how I am going to make a thing like that. But mm-hmm. I decided I didn't actually care about, um, uh, like, uh, being, uh, like, Oh, it, it doesn't need to be a co-op game, right. A, a multiplayer thing. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't care that much about it. I had to recognize that like my feelings on that, that subject were, were more, precise and i and i could be more open to letting it be what it be what it becomes through process um mm-hmm. and i think ellen you have probably a, a um a, a much more um 
like you have a, a thousand flowers can bloom in your process because you have you're more interested in exploration, I think, than I probably am. Does that I make sense? Yeah, and I, I don't know. I think that's what makes us a good team. Mm-hmm. Like I thinking back to some of the decisions that we've all made on Widget Satchel, which is like, like, and I would come up and be like, well, what if we did this? And you'd be like, well, but here's the thing about this game. And it's like, this is where we come back to the vision and the story we want to tell. Yeah, and I'd be yeah. like, yeah, you're right. That doesn't fit. Or like, okay, it doesn't fit. But if we made this change, it would be fun and it would fit. And and know, I would and I would have never come up with that, right? Because I didn't. I wasn't able to go out on a limb. Uh, yeah. to, to find that right because i was too yeah. afraid of falling off the tree right? maybe i don't know maybe i i just, mm-hmm. I just think that there's some value you know when you're working with a team to have people who coming from maybe a different different yeah that's really that's a really really good point yeah. yeah um and that's, finding finding your voice isn't necessarily always about you right it's mm-hmm. a it's about how you interact with with um and with collaborators and 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 with players and and with everything yeah. right what part yeah. are you singing in this choir? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I, I think I align more with, like, how you think of it, Mark. Like, um, but I think I need to, like, I'm realizing now, too, that, like, part of the part of the problem I'm having with, like, you know, actually starting projects or feeling excited to start projects is I'm um, dreading the actual process of making the thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, my, I mean, well, I, I've said this on the show before. My, my, the favorite thing I like doing in games is with the balancing and the game design and the tweaking of stuff mm-hmm. to get it just right. That's super fun. I love that stuff. Mm-hmm. But in order to get to that point, you have to actually, you know, make the game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, Man, that, that was a struggle um, on Roe Boston because I, every time I'm like, yeah. oh, we're not to Steven's fun part yet. And we honestly, oh. didn't, we honestly never got there, really, to where you yeah. you were able yet. to take a time. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and yeah, and that yeah. always, that really that bothered me because I know that's something you wanted out of the experience, and I don't think you got enough of it. Um, I mean, you, you yeah, seem I didn't disappointed, get to do but... a lot of balance work and stuff. I I mean, the um uh, with actually, that's a good point. Like with Robotson, I was comfortable with it going in whatever direction it ended up going because, mm-hmm. like, uh, we 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 established that right away. Yeah. Uh, and like we, you know, we weren't, this isn't, it's not our full time thing. So like if, you know, if we don't have enough time to get to the balance stuff, then we didn't have enough time. Um, so I, I didn't, I didn't feel like resent resentment for the, the, on the project or anything for that. Um, um, and, and we, we did do a lot of like, um, mechanics changes and stuff and that tweak that, uh, yeah, that's still part of that universe for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I didn't get to do a lot of, you know, um, spreadsheet balance work mm-hmm. that i wanted to do which yeah. is which is fine i can send you some spreadsheets uh yeah <laughs> it takes a ton of work to get to that point where you can start fiddling with numbers and it doesn't it, and the whole thing doesn't fall apart when you're doing it you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah so like um i i gotta like um i need to like re re reestablish what it is that i want from games and figure out how i can make it easier for me to make content it's yeah. like one thing that I need to work on for work because it's one of my goals I set for myself this year. Like we have to set goals for ourselves. Um, and I set a goal to like make some prototypes mm-hmm. um, for for games at work. Um, and I've had a hard time with that, partly because I'm working on Rhythm Rumble and like that's taking up a lot of my mind space. But also um, the act of like starting from scratch on a new thing. It just feels like yeah. a bunch of work I don't want to do. But like a coworker I have, he makes prototypes all the time. Like, um, and I, uh, I, 
I want to, I guess I want to like figure out how to get to a point where I can make prototypes, not necessarily as regularly as he does, but like, mm-hmm. um, more frequently and feel like I can do that better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that like, that's part of it is like, like, like with me, like the way I feel like I am best capable of expressing myself through video games. Um, well, I guess it is through video games, but specifically through the game design of video games, how I tweak the numbers, how I change things so that this character moves slower than this other character because there's a emotional burden of blah, blah, blah. You know, it's a mm-hmm. whole it, it's a whole thing. Yeah. yeah <laughs> but yeah. that's the that's the world in the universe I live in, in the world in the universe. I want players to experience when they're playing a game that I work on. Right. You um, like delivering the, re- the the feeling of, of uh, the reality. Of, of an experience yes. right and and, yeah, and through yeah. through like a pers- like your world you're sort of like crafting a scene with interactive values rather than like spatial values right? exactly yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah so like and, and like that's the kind of stuff i really enjoy about making games but it's like to get to that point mm-hmm. you have to you know you have to do the other things um what you need is you need you need to develop prototypes that are mechanically shallow but but oh. but have like sort of a, a an inch deep and a, wi- a mile wide, which is like a you know an, an insult in some context. But I think that would allow you to <laughs> yeah. express that part of your voice in, in a way that we can let you work uh, uh, work it out, right? And so that when it comes time, when the, the bigger project finally makes it to the point where you can get your hands on it in that way, um, you you can have a lot more. Um, you can you're not starting from scratch in that phase as much. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you need to make like a, a like a like a fighting game that is one button and it's just based on timing. Um <laughs> that has like it's basically war. You need to make war yeah. but then give it a, yeah. th- a, a th- like a, a a deck of cards with a thousand suits. You know? Yeah. Um yeah. I mean I that's that, I'm saying this sort of cringing the whole time because that's very much not the kind of games I would want to make. But I feel but like Steven had a big smile on his yeah. face. Just <laughs> I was like, ooh. But you know what I mean? Good. And then you can find yeah, ways yeah. to make, and th- that could be the challenge you set for yourself, is uh, making a game that is me- mechanically shallow, making it engaging and interesting, and give it a real feel, which is the thing you want to do. And if you can do that with something that has a l- very little going for it, then that, that, is a, that also becomes a proof of concept for, when you, for larger projects. Yeah, that's a, that's a good idea. I like that a lot. Um, well, maybe and that I mean, can be our... Nice game oh. jam prompt. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yes, team, please do my work for me. <laughs> um, no, I, I really like that a lot. Um, I, 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 I'm going to put that into practice because I think that like, will be valuable to me. Like, mm-hmm. Especially since like, we're working on mobile games now. Like, you, There's not a lot of button buttons you can do anyways. Yeah, so yeah. Having a one button system. Is a is a cool idea. Yeah, not and not uh, just as a prototyping strategy, but as a real perhaps game design methodology. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, like Dive Kick is a good example, right, of a game that like has very little. There's very little to approach it with, yeah. but it has mm-hmm. a lot of depth, right. and it's it's by part of it's a novelty. But like that's yeah. the kind of thing that you can you can you can use, and you know, and you can find your way there because you had to because you you can't make mm-hmm. enormous games and and put balance systems in it because you don't have enough yeah. time. But then if that's the reason why that's your voice, then that's the reason. We all have the real world constraints that give us, you know, when we make games as solo devs, for example, then that defines how we express ourselves in a way that has nothing to do with our intention or our desire. It's about the real yeah. world example we have. So um, right. 
So not just as a, a practicing technique, but like ship some games like that. I, I think people would yeah. like them. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I think that's a good direction too, because like I do like, you know, I, I think I get a little ambitious with the designs of stuff. I'll like think of giant mechanical structures yeah. that like mm-hmm. would take so much time for me to make that I, it's too daunting and I don't want to work yeah. on it. If I'm just like, this is an interesting mechanic, make this thing and then play with that. Then, then I actually, then I, yeah, then I get to do the, the, the messing around and the tweaking and stuff mm-hmm. right away. Uh, and then like I can add stuff on um, and then it won't feel so bad. That's, that's good. That's good. <laughs> that's good. Well, I guess the topic really was helping me find yeah. my artistic ways. It's a very therapeutic episode for yeah. you, I think. Yeah, I mean, for you too, hopefully, Ellen. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully we'll be able to play this game of yours in time, uh, by the time of the next recording. Is that when you'll have a prototype ready for us? <laughs> <laughs> Not everybody can make an engine in two weeks, right? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, that's our show. Check out our website, nicegames.club, for show notes and links to resources on today's topic. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode and our programming in general. Go to nicegames.club slash feedback and tell us what you think. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter, at NiceGamesClub, where Dale tweets about game dev resources and bad Kirby clones. Bad Kirby clones? Steven, is that a thing? Or are all Kirby's lovable and um, deserving of ad- admiration? Most Kirby's are. There's one that is not, and you'll find an example <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> you can also email us, contact at nicegames.club. Want to support the show? There are so many ways. Give us a review on your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends about your favorite episodes. Join us on Discord by visiting nicegames.club Discord. And now we are on Patreon. As a patron of the show, you'll enjoy bonus content, extra jokes, and more. Sign up patreon.com slash nice games club so until we start again remember to play nice and make nice As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.